You are listening to the GTT podcast from the Canadian Council of the Blind. So, good evening, everybody. Welcome to the um, Get Together with Technology program from the Canadian Council of the Blind, CCB, National Call. Thank you for coming. A great turnout here. And we'd like to welcome the people from NELS to our call to tell us about the exciting things that are going on with them. So, uh, uh, Lori, you can unmute yourself and your colleague can unmute you and you guys can uh, just take it away. So we will, um, I'm presuming that you'd like to present before questions. So um, if you do have questions, you can raise your hand, but we won't, uh, we'll take them after the presentation unless they, the ladies want to stop and have questions as they go. I am uh, Laurie Davidson and I'm a project manager with NELS. Um, and NELS, uh, for those of you who don't know, stands for the National Network um, of Equitable Library Service. And with me today is Daniela um, Levi-Pinto. Uh, we'll be sharing the presentation. I'll start out uh, probably with a, about a 15 minute uh, uh, talk um, about some of the areas of NELS service and then Daniela will, um, will do the remaining piece. Um, and um, Daniela is our uh, coordinator for accessibility testing and I am a project manager with NELS. Um, and so we're here to kind of talk about all the different activities and initiatives that NELS um, has been involved with, uh, particularly over the last two or three years um, since we've received um, some federal funding from the Social Development Partnership uh, Program for Disability, which has really allowed us to pursue some, I think, really interesting initiatives that we'll be talking about today. Um, Daniela, do you just want to say hi? Sure. Um, hello, everyone. Uh, thank you very much for the invitation. It's very exciting to uh, be speaking with a lot of you I, um, that I know are interested in technology. Um, one more thing, uh, Lori is in Vancouver, I am in Toronto. And thanks again, everyone. Yeah, thanks, Daniela. Um, okay, so to begin with, I mean, I, I'm, I don't know how familiar folks are, are with NELS, so I'm going to spend some time just doing a little bit of a, an overview and a background and then talk about sort of some of the <coughs> um, various um, aspects of NELS as a service. So I like to begin um, just kind of talking about our what I think of as our three main areas of NELS. Um, and this has expanded actually out since um, NELS began uh, in 2014. When it first started in 2014, it really was concentrated on being a repository of accessible books for people in Canada with print disabilities. Um, and that still is one of the, the core pieces of NELS is that digital repository of accessible books. Um, and uh, NELS, NELS makes that digital repository available to people with print disabilities in Canada through public libraries um, across Canada, so through the public library network. Um, so that's been going on since 2014, and it's one of our core services. Of course, people with print disabilities can come into the repository, log in with their library card, and get access to accessible material. And I'll be speaking a little bit more about that and some of the expansion and where we are with, um, with the services around the, the digital repository. The second main area of NELS that we're going to talk about today, primarily Daniela will be talking about this, but I'll be mentioning it too, is uh, in, uh, in at the end of 2017, we and we have received funding every year since then, um, we've received significant funding from the federal government uh, from the Social Development Partnership Program for Disabilities, and a large number of those programs really are, are the initiatives that we are pursuing with that money is really around that broad area of accessible publishing. Uh, and so we're going to talk a lot about our Born Accessible Publishing Initiatives, and this is really working with publishers and other stakeholders um, in, that, in the publishing ecosystem to really push accessibility to the forefront of mainstream material that comes out. So we have these kind of two pieces. We have a repository of accessible material that is only for people with print disabilities, and then we have this advocacy and education and awareness um, role that we are playing with publishers to really push accessibility to the mainstream. Um, and the last area of NELS that, we're, uh, that, we, um, that underpins all of NELS's work is that we have a commitment to hiring people with print disabilities um, and to build capacity and employment opportunities um, for people with print disabilities. 
So I'll begin, a little, um, I'll begin with some discussion about our digital repository. That's, the, that's one of the core services of NELS and, and really was what um, it was the core service at its inception in 2014. Of course, NELS um, is one organization in Canada. The other organization is CELA, which I think you guys heard from um, last month, if, if I, if, uh, from what Albert has said. So uh, both NELS and CELA offer digital repositories um, of accessible material for people with print disabilities in Canada. Um, so in terms of the, um, the context of how that repository works, as, may, as some of you may already know, um, we both purchase titles and purchase titles uh, with a licensing agreement that allows us to own that title in perpetuity, also allows unlimited access without DRM to those materials. Um, but also our license um, agreements with, with the usage of that materials limits the usage of those materials to people with print disabilities. Um, and then the other key piece of how we get content into a repository is using um, the exception uh, in the Copyright Act, and that is the exception in the Copyright Act, which allows for either individuals or organizations working on behalf of individuals with print disabilities to be able to make a more accessible um, copy of a uh, print material that is out there that is not in an accessible format. And we can do that without um, copyright permission from the publisher. So when we're building materials for our repository, that's, that is the environment in which we're, we're building, selecting, and how we can make that content available. Um, as many of you know, the Copyright Act defines, um, we use the term at NELS, we usually use the term print disability. The Copyright Act actually uses the term perceptual disability, and it kind of includes three, um, uh, includes three areas for perceptual disability, visual impairment. Um, it also includes the category of folks who have physical disabilities that might impact the ability to hold or manipulate a book. And the third area is some kind of comprehension impairment, which could um, be any number of um, any number of cognitive or learning disabilities that it affect a, a reader's ability to be able to um, read uh, or enjoy reading um, from a traditional print book. Uh, some of the numbers that we've got. Uh, when you add learning disabilities and cognitive um, disabilities into the mix of, a, of, of, of into the perceptual disability, the numbers of Canadians that actually have a print or perceptual disability is, it's a growing number. Um, we've heard some figures of between 750,000 to 1.5, but they go as high as um, one in 10 or even three or three and a half million Canadians in Canada. So it's a lot of people who really need um, more accessible uh, materials uh, to meet their reading needs, whatever that might be, and whatever kind of um, disability they bring to the table and how they need a more accessible uh, book to be able to enjoy and um, use that material. Um, so with that background, I'll just talk a little bit about the usage and statistics of the NELS repository. So right now we've got about 40,000 titles in that repository. Uh, a lot of it, we purchase titles, um, large, uh, we purchase um, uh, from some of the large audiobook providers as well as the ebook providers. We do concentrate on Canadian content um, and try to build as much Canadian content in our repository as possible. Um, currently, uh, we're looking at a breakdown of about 43% of that repository is audiobooks, with actually the vast majority of them being human narrated, though we do have a small percentage of synthetic voice. Those audiobooks come in both DAISY and MP3 format, again, with the majority of them being in DAISY format. Um, and we also have about 23,000 ebooks. Um, this has come out of a large amount of work that um, actually with the Canadian publishers uh, within Canada, but also uh, from international publishers as well, or multinational publishers. Um, and a lot of those 23,000 ebooks are primarily in EPUB format, uh, both EPUB 2 and EPUB 3. And we also have some doc, uh, Word doc, e-text, and PDFs as well. Um, much of our content that we've been able to add in the last three years is actually because we did get the federal, um, the federal monies from the Social Development Partnership Program. So that's really aided in us being able to expand the number of material, um, the amount of material in our repository. The other, um, of course, place that we add stuff when we don't purchase directly from publishers or distributors is that we actually um, make a more accessible version from um, uh, from a non-accessible version, and we do the cop and we use the Copyright Act to be able to do that work. Um, 
usually when we make an accessible version of something that's on a request from a user so a user will request a title saying they they need a more accessible version of something and then we will create that more accessible version and put it into the repository um, I, I think it's also worth worthwhile to note that actually in the last two years, um, a lot of our purchase, larger purchases that we've done with some of the major publishers and distributors, many of them have been done as joint purchases with SELA, which means that we are able to purchase um, sort of a, one copy, but it is able to go into both repositories. So we do collaborate um, and we're trying to further the two organizations buying power so that we can get as much material as we can into both repositories. Uh, in this past year, we became a member of the Accessible Books Consortium Global Book Service. So for those of you who know or have heard of ABC, that's what its um, acronym is. Uh, it is uh, an international consortium which is bringing together all of the different alternate format or blind libraries, um, libraries for the blind across uh, the world who are participating uh, through ABC, uh, which is utilizing um, uh, the Marrakesh Treaty, uh, which is encouraging the exchange of accessible material across borders. So our collection is now available within ABC. Um, this means that um, we can request titles through ABC from other participating libraries, and it means that other participating libraries can request from our collection that we have put forth into ABC. So at this point, um, you know, I think ABC uh, is uh, I, I, it is a great platform for sharing. I, there's some work that ABC is doing on making, on streamlining the process. Uh, right now, it's sort of title by title, and there's it's quite a lot of mediated and kind of human intervention to make all of that exchange of material work. There is, um, I think, some uh, work being done on ABC end of which we hope to be a part of um, uh, in the beta testing phase. Uh, we'll, we'll know about that more in the next few months of how we can hopefully uh, create an API so that we can open up the collection to users. So users will be able to come in and actually search the entire um, ABC collection and be able to request material. So it, it will be uh, more user driven rather than mediated by NELS staff. But I think some really exciting advances utilizing the Marrakesh Treaty as well with our participation in ABC. Um, another uh, piece I think I'd said before is that we do respond to a lot of user requests. A lot of our service is user driven. Um, we're able to do right now about 20 title requests per month, give or take. It changes from month to month. Um, a lot of those requests are to uh, create audiobooks, human narrated audiobooks, or we may do um, other formats of choice. Some people prefer e-text. Um, whatever the request is from the user, we try to accommodate to create that accessible format. Um, and a lot of the material that we also make accessible format in, uh, we do uh, work closely with um, like book award uh, lists or other kinds of reading lists and collections within Canada and do our best to make those titles available in accessible format as well. Just wanna highlight two projects um, that uh, I think we're working on. These are projects again that have been funded through that federal money. Uh, one of them is our volunteer recording audiobook project, which began about two and a half years ago uh, with establishing um, recording kits that we could send out to our participating libraries. The idea here is that libraries would um, engage their volunteer base um, and using these recording kits, uh, volunteers could come into the, to their own library um, and read audiobooks or narrate audiobooks. Um, and uh, those audiobooks that they would narrate would be responding to user requests that come into NELS. Um, and then when they've recorded the audiobooks, we of course would upload them into the repository and make them available to users. users. So with that in mind is the original vision. Um, we've kind of been working out the kinks um, and we've now hired a um, audiobook recording project coordinator who I think currently is working with um, about 25 different uh, volunteers some of these are direct volunteers and some of them are working through libraries. Um, I, and she's doing, she's an audio person who's really working with these volunteers to make sure audio quality is um, appropriate and is at a baseline that makes the quality of the audiobook be, um, uh, to be accessible and to be uh, of quality that people want to listen to it. Um, and then we're going through our request list and, and hopefully responding to requests in that regard too. So that's a really nice way of uh, bringing together um, 
libraries, um, volunteers for libraries, and matching those with user requests from the um, from users who have print disabilities um, and who have requested human narrated audiobooks as their accessible version of choice. Um, the other project that I think uh, is worth highlighting, again, that we've started within the last two to three years um, is our Braille project. This began um, with a uh, Braille study uh, that was undertaken by a number of different folks uh, to make recommendations on how NELS um, might work with public libraries to get Braille out into our communities and into the libraries. Um, what came out of that project actually is what we now have in place which is called our distributed uh, braille collection so we have about 15 host uh, braille libraries across the country um, and what we are doing here at nels is we are um, identifying titles uh, that we uh, get tr um, transcribed into braille we're able to put the human transcribed braille file into the nels repository and at the same time we are producing um, physical Braille or embossed Braille that we're sending out to the host libraries and they're making them available in their communities. Um, and then those books are then available through the interlibrary loan network of libraries. So any library can request that. So it's still pretty small in terms of numbers, but it's something we're hoping to grow and, and push. Um, and one of the pieces um, about this project in the last year that we're really excited about is that the titles that we were choosing um, to produce in Braille, we worked with Canadian independent publishers, and I think we've put out um, 10 titles so far this year, where we're releasing the eBraille file and the hard copy Braille at the same time as the general release of the title. So making the Braille available at the same time that the title is released. So we're calling that the Braille Simultaneous Release Program. And I have to say that the publisher support for this has been really phenomenal. And they are, there's a lot of interest um, in working with us on that. So um, I think that's been, um, again, we've only done it with a small number of titles, but we hope to continue to work in that area. Um, another piece I'll just talk about is what the impact of um, COVID-19 has been on NELS. Um, obviously, as a digital repository, we're, we are up and available for users. Um, but one of the impacts, of course, is that we do work through public libraries and, and public libraries across the country are closed. Their physical location is closed. Um, and so this actually, when we look at our usage statistics, um, our usage is up about 140% over the same time last year. Our new registrations are up by about 160% over the same time last year. Um, that could be also because we've opened up NELS now to all people from, including uh, those folks from libraries who are not yet connected to NELS um, and allowing them to register and to use NELS's collection um, uh, directly if, as long as they self-identify with a print disability um, because the physical locations of libraries are closed people can't uh, go into libraries and get themselves registered through their public library which is our standard way of uh, bringing users on board uh, so those are my sort of updates on our um, repository um, and sort of the, the initiatives that we're undertaking with regards to that repository uh, the next piece I want to talk about is accessible publishing. So I said that the other piece that we that Nels really is involved in is working on accessible publishing and participating in what we uh, refer to as the born accessible paradigm, which is working with publishers to build accessible content from the get go in formats that are um, mainstream accessible so that what is put out in the mainstream is accessible. Um, and a lot of the work that we've done, and Daniela is going to go into more detail in these projects, uh, we're working with education and awareness and advocacy. Um, and we're working with all the various stakeholders, um, including vendors of both library systems and reading systems to make sure that their interfaces and content are accessible. We're working with publishers to teach them, educate them, and make them aware on how to make their content accessible. That's both ebooks and audiobooks. Um, and we're and we're also doing um, a lot of work in helping to develop the guidelines and recommendations um, for the publishing sector on how to make content uh, born accessible from the get-go. The two things I will talk about before I hand it over to Daniela that have been part of our accessibility or accessible publishing initiatives is that we've now hosted um, in January of 2020, our first one was January of 2019, we've hosted an annual accessible publishing summit, which has brought together about 60 plus experts and stakeholders to ex uh, discuss accessible publishing in Canada. And this has been a really exciting um, space where we have a lot of our 
um, accessibility testers who are also people with various print disabilities uh, really educating and um, interacting with publishers and vendors, reading system providers, libraries um, to really inform the discussion um, and the conversation around accessible publishing. Um, and the other thing that we had the privilege to be involved in as well, um, which some of you may have seen that we did in the month of February, was our How Do You Read survey, um, both survey and focus groups. This was actually done um, with money from the um, um, out of uh, the Federal Department of Heritage. As some of you may have heard last year, they announced a 22 plus million dollars over the next five years uh, to uh, encourage accessible books in Canada. This is for the Canadian independent publishing sector. Um, and so as a piece of that uh, funding, we were asked to do a survey and focus groups of, of readers with print disabilities and what their reading habits and preferences um, uh, were. And that study is now just being finalized. We're making accessible versions as we speak in the next day or two. We hope to have it out in the next week or two. It's a broad landscape review that includes a number of different pieces of which that user survey was one of it. Um, and it's got some really interesting um, data breaking down the demographics of the various people in Canada, what the various gaps are um, in terms of training, in terms of um, uh, awareness, in terms of, of how people read and what's available to them. Um, and of course, it covers that broad range of print disabilities. So obviously, different people um, with different print disabilities need to access material in different ways. And that's and um, some really interesting things, really interesting um, uh, things have come out of the survey that hopefully can help infer, inform this work uh, going forward. So with that, I'll, I'm, I'm going to pass this over to, to Daniela. Um, and if Daniela doesn't get a chance to say it, I'm just going to say that there's two websites that we have. One is nels.ca, that's nnels.ca, uh, which is how you access our repository and has a number of other pieces of information around libraries and how to access information. We also have a new um, site in the last two years um, called accessiblepublishing.ca and this is where a lot of our work um, on accessible publishing um, gets posted um, as we come up with new documents and resources. Uh, so with that I'll hand it over to uh, Daniela. Excellent. Thank you Laurie. So um, as Laurie mentioned, I uh, lead the team of accessibility testers um, and uh, the testers are really doing a lot of the work, advocacy and um, education with publishers and other stakeholders. Um, as Laurie mentioned, everyone in the team has some print disability. Most um, are either blind or have low vision, but there are also people with learning disabilities. I am also, uh, I also have a, um, a print disability. I am totally blind. Um, and uh, Nels does recognize that really the users are the experts. Uh, one thing is to follow accessibility standards, but the usability piece is also really, really important. So uh, to get into more detail about um, the accessible publishing initiatives and partnerships that uh, Nels is, um, is, is on, or has been undertaking for the uh, past three years. Um, we have done um, EPUB audits, essentially um, assess the accessibility of EPUB files, uh, unpack them and look for their uh, different elements and provide publishers with um, an assessment of their files and recommendations on how to uh, remove some of those barriers. For example, um, uh, e files that lack semantic tags, so we have no headings. Um, in other words, the presentation or, or um, the presentation is visual instead of using proper uh, markup language. Um, so these are uh, the audits, and we have done um, 120 EPUB uh, file audits for over uh, 40 uh, independent Canadian publishers. Um, another piece, we managed the um, Publisher World Workflow Project, which paired accessibility testers with publishers, and uh, it was a multi-month 
project to um, not only audit um, EPUB files, but most importantly, have conversations with publishers and um, help them relate to how we read. Um, answer, explain about assistive technology, what, uh, what it is, how it's used, and um, how, for example, the lack of, uh, of elements in a file, how the lack of headings or a proper table of contents um, impacts readability and usability for, um, in this case, for people with brain disabilities. But uh, something that I think is really important, and we always say it, is that when uh, products are designed with accessibility considerations in mind, they are better for everyone as well. So publishers, uh, their files are, are, will be better for everyone. Having a, um, a fuller table of contents, better organized, is really um, good for everyone. Having files that can be reflow, that, that are reflowable and um, Users can actually adjust some of the presentation, either the font type or the margins, um, or the, um, those are better for everyone. Um, also building accessibility by design helps mitigate um, situational disabilities. I always like to give an example of people reading uh, in different light conditions. So um, we do make that, uh, that connection so that, you know, uh, publishers um, really appreciate the benefit of accessibility. It's not something that will only impact uh, a segment of the population. And so if publishers are convinced about this uh, and they, when they introduce uh, and, and start making their files accessible by design or born accessible, the expectation is that uh, they, will, they will be better received by uh, the public in general. Um, so uh, coming back to the publisher workflow project um, and the accessibility testers, um, had extensive conversations with publishers. Um, we had uh, the opportunity to not only assess their files, but make recommendations and, uh, um, on how to improve them, and then retest the files. So to see if, um, if those recommendations have been implemented and if they've worked well. So um, I, I would also like to highlight of, uh, that, the assessment of the files goes beyond looking at the HTML code embedded or in, um, uh, inside EPUB files. It also involves usability of these files um, with different reading applications. Um, another um, piece that we have done for accessible publishing, we have conducted accessible uh, publishing workshops. Um, directly with publishers, 20 of them in the past couple of years uh, across Canada. And uh, it has been very interesting to see some of the publishers that um, were participating in these workshops that then participated in the publisher workflow project. Um, the publishers that had taken the workshops already were doing a lot of things better. Um, and their files were um, were way more accessible than other, uh, other publisher files. Um, also, the team of accessibility testers has uh, had a, an opportunity, as Laurie was saying, to um, present and to um, demonstrate for different stakeholders, so for technology vendors, how they use technology, um, and uh, examples of, for example, um, an, a file that is in fixed layout, so one that you cannot adjust any, uh, any elements, um, and files that have no headings, and really just making, making it more tangible for people who have not been exposed to all these technologies. Um, again, following accessibility standards is one thing. Um, the standards are there, but sometimes publishers don't know what something means or how they can implement something. So um, that's a lot of the, of the work that we have been doing. Uh, Nels also created an educational video series for publishers uh, on how to create more accessible ebooks. Uh, e um, also, we have done a lot of um, accessibility testing for um, reading applications. Um, 
for both commercial and applications used to access content through public libraries. So these would be OverDrive, uh, Libby, PressReader, RBDigital, TumbleBooks, uh, these applications. And um, although there is information, um, some information about the accessibility of some reading applications, commercial ones, really this, this was a gap that uh, Nails has been um, able to um, to fill by providing uh, this information. So um, the testers conducted systematic uh, testing of these uh, applications, everything from signing um, onto the library, creating an account, um, finding, searching content, downloading, reading, and navigating. Uh, we drew from the um, uh, criteria, the testing criteria from the DAISY Consortium for systematic assessment of uh, reading systems, software and hardware, um, and each question had a corresponding uh, corresponding score, and uh, we used this information to produce um, reports on these um, uh, the reading applications for for libraries. And uh, in the in those reports, there are also recommendations for the developers of those uh, reading applications. Um, and part of the idea of, of um, not only to test uh, these, but um, was to be able to provide to libraries information so that they would be able to recommend to their patrons. If you want to use uh, um, commercial audiobooks, OverDrive um, may be a better option than Libby, for example, or RB Digital, or whatever the, the case may be. Uh, but providing information um, in an accessible way um, uh, for libraries and um, vendors. Um, we, what we found with those um, assessments for library apps, uh, I don't think that many of you will be surprised about this. Um, we found many buttons and links without labels. Um, cluttered interfaces, either on websites uh, or uh, desktop applications, or also the mobile applications. Um, difficulty in activating controls with uh, either the keyboard or regular swipe gestures. Um, again, I don't think that <laughs> this is a surprise for, for any of you. Um, we uh, engaged the uh, app vendors in this process. We made them aware that we were doing this testing. Uh, we provided them opportunities to uh, provide a response. Some did, um, some did not. Um, so um, that's one piece. And the other piece, of course, is uh, also testing um, commercial reading applications. We need to know exactly which features they support for the testing of um, EPUB files, but also to provide that information, we are creating a document um, or, in, um, well, a resource for the website, for the NELS website, that will have information on different ap applications, which formats they can actually read, and uh, on which platforms they work or not, um, whether they have uh, visual adjustments, whether they have read aloud features, um, just to provide this information in a, in a more concise way. Um, when I was for, new to EPUB, I had no idea what to do with EPUB, to, to be completely honest. So um, uh, information is also important for the user. Um, moving on to other, um, a, a couple of other projects that we are doing. Um, we are doing research and development into uh, tools to create more accessible content to work with um, EPUB, eBraille, DAISY, MP3, and uh, also the new uh, audiobook uh, standard, which is LPF. Um, so I can mention a couple of examples here. NAC, the NELS Automatic Converter, is an application that adds DAISY functionality to MP3 files. This was created by uh, one of the members of our team. He's also a programmer. Um, and we now use it, um, well, Nails uses it for providing um, more accessible audio files um, to people that request them. Instead of a huge uh, MP3, uh, we are able to separate them into 
chapters and the censures that they play in order and um, we are adding uh, some more more functionality to NAC. Um, the other uh, um, tool that we are developing is called Better eBooks. This is a web app that um, helps in um, working with a, a testing eBooks. Specifically, um, most of the functionality is for uh, to work with images. So uh, to sort the images that would require a description and provides um, an interface for a, hu a human-sided operator um, to provide a description. Uh, and again, um, uh, someone in our team developed this tool and, um, and now we can, we can use it and we continue developing it. And what is really cool about uh, these, uh, specifically these two apps, is that they are completely accessible um, for screen readers. So uh, everyone in the team can, can use them. Um, also, we are, um, the team of accessibility testers has been doing some work for remediating documents. Specifically, um, we worked to produce an accessible version of the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls Report, um, the executive summary. Um, when it came out, it, uh, I mean, it came out as a, as a big PDF, but very inaccessible PDF. Uh, no headings, no table of contents, no active links, no lists, none of these elements semantically tagged. Um, no image descriptions, a lot of uh, the information in images, uh, perhaps lists, or what um, was uh, um, we needed to transcribe. So um, the team did a lot of work um, uh, to remediate and to produce an accessible version. That was really what sparked the creation of better ebooks. We re realized that we needed a tool to allow us to sort through images and, uh, re well, uh, not remove, but hide uh, the merely decorative images. And in the end, we, uh, we produced a, a beautiful EPUB um, of the exec executive summary that uh, now everyone can read. So it's um, uh, just to highlight that everyone involved from start to finish in the project uh, had a print disability. Um, some uh, even providing the, the image descriptions, either they had um, low vision and used a magnifier. Um, but yeah, this is a, a huge ac accomplishment personally and um, speaking on behalf of the accessibility testing team. Um, and the last piece, but not, not a minor one, um, is that Nels, um, has created uh, or responding to, uh, to the need for accessible information in relation to COVID-19. Uh, we created a, a page with accessible charts um, and graphs. So uh, of course, when the, when the situation started to unfold, um, universities, public uh, health agencies, uh, um, news organizations, everyone uh, started putting out graphs. And of course, this information is uh, not accessible for everyone, specifically for those with print disabilities or with um, slow internet connections. So the, the page that we put together provides image descriptions of the graphs and also links to accessible versions of um, some of this information. So it, um, some of, uh, I mean, a lot of the tables from the government are accessible, but really the descriptions of the charts uh, were not. Um, and this uh, has, was an initiative uh, started by one of uh, our accessibility testers. He had the idea and he has been providing the descriptions. He's totally blind and working with another of our testers who has low vision. Um, they, uh, they, they are an awesome team and they provide, um, they, they, they write the image descriptions together. Um, there are also sonified graphs um, in, in that website. So uh, it is possible to use uh, the SAS accelerator, accelerator um, to listen to uh, the shapes of the graphs. Um, and the last piece in, in this uh, page, uh, we also provided accessible instructions for hand washing um, and for um, 
creating your own mask. Uh, again, there were no instructions um, really accessible. So um, um, yeah, they are there. Um, I'm not, uh, these instructions, we did not create them, but we, uh, we found them and we put them in an accessible place so that uh, NELS users or, or whoever really looking for this information can, um, could, could have access to that. Um, so I think that's, um, that captures most of what uh, the team has been working on. Uh, there are a few, uh, a few bits and pieces, but uh, really uh, other that, that we didn't have time to cover. Um, but really the, the most important piece, um, I think, um, well, lots of them, but really the, the, um, the piece of creating awareness and making accessibility accessible for those who are responsible of creating content and even services. Um, ensuring that they understand why that um, um, content creators or publishers or uh, app creators um, recognize the benefit of creating um, accessible products following um, accessibility standards. And uh, I think that, um, yeah, our team has been quite successful in doing that. We have uh, received great feedback from publishers and um, we have actually demystified a bit of, the, of the, um, what they see as something very obscure and very removed from their day to day. And uh, yeah, I think I'll leave it at that. Thank you both so very much. That's a, a wealth of information all crammed in, and you're, you're so busy. That, that's amazing. Um, uh, and it's some of the stuff I didn't know about the COVID stuff, and I've been asking for how do you wash your hands, how do you do these things, and so, yeah, it's great, great initiatives. Um, I wonder if people have questions. If you do have questions, please raise your hand. Um, anyway, what I wanted to know was, um, I realized that you've been working with federal grant, uh, NELS has been working with federal grant funding. Do you know if the accessibility testing will be able to continue? Will, will you be receiving any more funding or applying for more funding? So can you give any kind of update on um, where you might be at with that? Uh, hi, Betty. Yeah, it's Lori. It's a very good question. Um, we usually hear about our funding um, around this time. Um, I believe the impact of COVID-19 um, at the federal level right now is slowing everything down. So we have not heard yet. Um, there are some other buckets of funding, um, even if the, um, that we may be able to work with. And as I mentioned in my bit, the um, the funding through Heritage uh, Canada, um, though that funding is most focused on uh, funding publishers and publishing related organizations, because we've been working so closely with publishers, um, it could be that some of our work can continue with that funding as well. But we're also um, hoping that our funding will continue from SDPPB as well, but we have not heard, so I cannot confirm that. That's a great question. So I, I'm assuming you pay your accessibility testers. They're not volunteering, right? Is that right? That is, that is absolutely right. correct. Okay, yes. that's awesome. Because yeah. a lot of times we get asked, can you test this for me? And Yes, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah so it's a, it's a priority. In terms of NELS funding, uh, we have our core funding that comes from the provinces and territories, uh, the sort of the province and territorial library uh, departments that, that happen at the provincial level. And that's really to fund the core services of the repository. And then a lot of this accessible publishing and where we've really been able to build our team of testers has come from that federal money. Yeah. Awesome. Um, can you just, and, and then we'll get to Richard's question, could you just explain again, if someone wants to join NELS and they're not a member, I know you said at the moment they don't need a library card, but how do they go about that? They go to your site and, and um, yeah, register? I mean, yeah, the, the standard process, um, which is on our site to kind of walk folks through it, but the standard process is that you be, it would be through your public library. So you would, you would contact your, your local public library, whichever um, uh, jurisdiction or, or region that you are in, um, 
that public library would then um, uh, basically identify you in their system as somebody who has a print disability. Um, and then once you are identified as having a print disability, when you use your library card, then you can then uh, log into NELS using your library card and you will be allowed access because the library has basically said, yes, this is one of our users and yes, they have a print disability. Okay. Um, now in the current landscape, because libraries are closed and that process doesn't all, is not really, um, I mean, it can be workable in some circumstances, but it's difficult right now. Um, we're actually, you can actually, as a, as a direct user, email us to say, I have a print disability and could I get access? And we can set up access for you as a kind of, um, 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 I'm trying to think of the word, I, I'm going to say temporary user, but at least um, uh, sort of a, an in-process user because of our current situation right now. And what would be the email they would use for that? Uh, you can send that into support at nels.ca. Okay, and now as a reminder, is N N E N E L S dot C A. Okay. Uh, well, Maureen, Daniela, it was great to hear two familiar voices from my time with Nels a couple almost Hi, two years ago now. Hi. Hello. <laughs> um, so. Uh, um, we miss you, Richard. I, well, just, I'll talk to you about that. It's a it's short <laughs> and maybe offline. <laughs> um, so I wanted to uh, just say that uh, first off, I've. I've kind of, I was mentioning on another conference call and at one of these meetings that I've, I've started to notice the results of some of our app testing work because I, uh, I, I do, now that I've been home and off work um, due to COVID, um, I've been using OverDrive to read audiobooks and notice that it has some uh, accessibility improvements. More of the buttons were labeled and things like that. And I happened to notice the other day when I was in the app store updating my apps, there was a note for an update to Libby's that they, they were sending an, an update to prep it for more accessibility improvements as well too. So um, so kudos to us, I think, uh, those of us have worked on that. Um, the other thing I want to ask you about, today I was at a, a DAISY consortium uh, webinar about the European Accessibility Act. And I'm wondering if you, Guys, maybe you specifically, Laurie, how, have any thoughts on how that might affect the publishing industry in Canada and how that may, I don't think you'll know how that those regulations will be utilized in the Accessible Canada Act, but I'm wondering if you, you see any ramifications for more accessible books being available in Canada because their regulations have to be in place by 2025. So basically anything that's a service has to be quote-unquote accessible so that includes ebooks and publishing <laughs> generally mm -hmm. uh, yeah good question um, Richard uh, in in my conversations um, with the publishers as well as some of the um, work that is being done in this landscape review out of the heritage funding um, so particularly for um, we worked with uh, French publishers, publishers in Quebec, and, and in particular in working with them because a lot of their market um, is uh, France and parts of Europe. Um, they're quite uh, aware of that uh, regulation because if they want to sell their books in that market, then they have to make sure that they um, comply. So I think there's, um, certainly from that, there's some pressure and I think some real attention um, that Canadian publishers will be paying to make sure that whatever we do here in the Canadian context aligns um, with what is required within the European markets. Uh, I believe, and I'm not an expert on this, but I believe that one of the differences of, in the um, European Act is that it's not just content, but the reading systems as well uh, are a part of this too, which um, and I'm not quite sure all the details on that, but I, that is one of the challenging pieces. It's one thing to have content, but it's also how to regulate and to ensure that the reading systems take advantage of the features within the content to be able to make them fully accessible. Um, yeah, so you may more know more about that, that piece, Richard, but certainly it's a conversation, um, that act and how it will um, affect our work with, um, within Canada. It's it, Richard again. I, it, 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 they did mention that reading systems would be part of that, and so they, they've, the reading systems that appear to be divided into two categories in that in that legislation as they move towards implementing it by 2025. And uh, one are the commercial reading systems, so such as uh, 
Kindle and iBooks, and then the other ones would be reading systems available through public institutions uh, like uh, for the public library, so like Overdrive and uh, and other other press reader and things like that. The a couple of years ago, somebody I was working with here in the Qualicum Beach area was doing some genealogy research and he found a couple of books he desperately needed to access, but they weren't available in any kind of an alternate format. So the book, it was arranged that the book would be sent to Nels, you guys would scan it. And as soon as you had the first three chapters scanned, you sent it to him in a, I think in a Microsoft Word format. So he was able to get started while you scanned the rest of it. Now that you have these little recording studios available across the country, would that, would the, production of an audiobook be able to be done sort of on demand if there was a book somebody desperately needed? Yeah, um, so that's an interesting question. And I think uh, what I'll say is uh, audiobook recording, uh, it's, it's a great initiative. There's just, uh, there's a lot involved in it. Um, and so being able to ramp up um, to say, yes, we could respond to any user request is, um, I think we have to go slowly bit by bit. One of the interesting things, or one of the the side effects of COVID-19 is a lot of our um, human narrated uh, audiobooks that uh, were in response to user requests. We've actually partnered with the Crane Library at UBC and they have a whole slew of volunteers there and sometimes they do read books for us that we're able to then make available to our users. But because the Crane Library and their recording studios have been closed with COVID-19, we no longer have that resource. And so part of our the ramping up of our vo volunteer project right now is actually uh, to be able to, um, some of our user requests that have come in that we will actually use our volunteers uh, to uh, uh, respond to those requests by human narrating audiobooks pretty small in number like I think we've only we're really like we're, we're talking here just maybe five or ten or fifteen books sort of in this kind of three-month period but yeah I think it's a pilot project that we're kind of experimenting with to see what would be involved in really being able to do this on a um, you know so that we could say yes so I could say yes to you Albert so I could say yes we could respond to that request for sure with an audiobook if that was the preferred format well, just to, to conclude that, you know that the difficult we can do right away, the impossible will take a little longer. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, very nice, yeah. That's sort of like getting 80% of the way there and then, uh, and then the remaining 20% is always the hard part. Just to follow up to that, when you mention electronic Braille, which is Braille though is my big passion all the time, um, is it in what format of Braille are the electronic books in? I, I, the new ones, um, the new files that are being produced and, um, are in UEB. Uh, that's, that's your question, right, Kim? Yeah, 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 UEB. Yeah, yeah, that's UEB. And that, um, okay. yeah, so um, previous, um, I cannot speak for all of them, but I can tell you, yes, the new ones are definitely okay. UEB, yeah. And contracted UEB, I'm assuming, like contracted Braille? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I, I well, I think we'll double that, check that with you. I think some are and, and contracted and some are uncontracted. Yes. Like I think there's a, there's a variety depending on the book. Okay. Um, just to follow up what you're talking about this now, uh, I assuming the, the the braille format is BRF or BRL or uh, what, what's what's that as as far as getting to the braille display? It's BRF. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now my other question is. How many libraries in the system uh, typically have disability departments? I know Vancouver has a separate place to do with that. And would that be a good place to visit to do with any of the services that, that um, are provided to do with disability, including libraries that have both uh, NELS and CELA, right? So, but I, I think when, when the library opens again, one of the things I think I want to do is go visit that department and see what's going on. But just wondering, for example, does Victoria have one? Does Nanaimo have one? Etc. Etc. Um, I won't be able to answer which libraries for sure have one, but what I will say generally, it is only the the very large libraries that are, are resourced to be able to have, um, you know, uh, a, either a person um, and, or if they're really lucky, a, a department to be able to deal with accessible services. So, um, you know, 
Vancouver public. Um, it could be that the Vancouver Island Regional System does have something, but they serve a lot of different branches. So it will depend on you know where you um, go in. Um, but generally, any library that is even a little bit smaller usually doesn't have enough resources to be dedicating. Um, you know, an accessibility services department. Yeah, and I'm hoping that yeah. if they don't have such a thing that at least one person in each branch, you know, when they start talking about disability and, you know, nails and seal and all that, that, that they even have a slight inkling of what it even is. I mean, some of them don't even know it even exists sort of a thing. And, yeah. and if, if Nels is doing that and seal is doing that to make sure that at least one person in the branch has at least a way to turn the person to the right way of doing things. Yeah. Right? No, I think that's a really good point, the awareness um, within libraries, and that's something that, I mean, I know both Sila and Nels, uh, you know, work with libraries um, by way of documentation and resources to try to have frontline staff, like, even understand the conversation around accessibility, even to have some kind of an awareness about assistive technologies. Um, like, I know that we've just distributed a resource to libraries on, you know, uh, what might be um, sort of appropriate uh, it, with regards to reading Braille, what might be a Braille a device that libraries could consider purchasing for lending um, for users. But um, there's a real, um, I think there's a real variation across the, you know, from library to library um, in terms of familiarity and comfort with the, the conversation about technology around accessibility. Um, so I think there's, there's there, that that really speaks to a need um, of library staff being more uh, being more aware and being more informed and and how can Nels work with the, that library staff to make people more comfortable and then can provide better service. Yeah, I'm just saying too, they don't need to be PhDs in it, but at least be aware and have a yeah. basic grounding of sort of what's involved. So because our access point is our library card. So if our library, yeah. if people, you show them the library card, okay, where's the accessibility? They go. Oh, what's, what's yeah. that? <laughs> right? So yeah, so I hope that keeps on going though. So that's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Um, uh, I do use the mainstream library services because I've got enough vision to do that. And yeah, I right. do listen to the audiobooks, the mainstream ones that, that come from um, Overdrive. And the, and the print books, I've got the large print all set up so it's really nice and easy to read with white characters on a black background and the right spacing and all that stuff, right? So, but, um, so I've, I have sort of veered away from the specialized service because it seems to be such such a trouble and I have an old, you know, an old tech talk that doesn't work with it anymore and, and I haven't downloaded the right software and, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, but at some point I may need it and there may be some things to do with specialized accessibility that these mainstream products that I'm using don't serve. Okay, now I won't say anymore. <laughs> Thanks, John. Uh, hello, thank you for taking my question. I think it's probably directed to Daniela. Daniela, you mentioned a software application that you developed internally called NAC for converting MP3 audio files into DAISY audiobooks. Is that tool something that you would, that, that software, that program, something that you would give to the library community to end users such as myself to use? It's a really good question. Um, I think um, the idea is, uh, or, or the tool was developed mostly for um, use uh, within NELS uh, to improve MP3 for, you know, audio, audiobooks for its uh, patrons. Um, I think, um, I cannot answer the question. I think um, it's an interesting, definitely an interesting thing to think about. Um, um, Nels draws a lot on open source and the philosophy is open source. Um, uh, whether, you know, we would be able to make these tools that are hosted on Nels servers available for use for, like, it, it requires a lot of authentication and um, the FTP and, um, like security considerations, uh, so not in its current shape because of where it's hosted and the way that uh, it it hosts, uh, sorry, it receives the files, um, but it's an interesting question. Okay, that's that's fine. It's, uh, you can keep it in your bag for future research perhaps. So then 
as a plan B, am, am I able to zip up uh, 10 or 12 MP3 files and upload them to you somewhere and you'll turn them into DAISY for me as a service? Right, that's a really good question. Uh, we do not have the capacity at the moment um, because our funding is, yeah, I mean, uh, it, I think that the capacity would be contingent to the funding. Okay, well, that's, those answers are not surprising, but I, th I thought I should at least ask. So Absolutely. Okay. And, and these are great questions. Thank you for asking them. And uh, you give us things to think about. So, uh, yeah, thank you. I was wondering, with the ratification of the Marrakesh Treaty in Canada and the United States, um, is NELS pursuing access into some of the large libraries uh, in the states like the um, you know the, the Library of Congress or the uh, you know NF the National Federation of the Blind RFBD I guess it's not called that anymore but some of these other organizations in the US who have large collections is it part of your mandate to to work with them and try to be able to to exchange access to material yeah that's a good question um, Currently, the way in which we are pursuing the, Mar the Marrakesh as kind of the, the first sort of baby step um, is through ABC. So it is for the participating libraries in ABC. Now, I think a lot of those libraries that you've named are currently not participating in ABC, but they might. Um, they might be in the pipeline. They may be making their own decisions to move through that framework. Um, so, uh, so I guess maybe that, that is my answer uh, is that um, I think once we get the ABC kind of um, exchange set up and a bit more streamlined and we, we become familiar with that process, um, it may be then to reach out and to identify some other um, sources that might be willing to engage in an exchange. But our preference right now is to work through ABC because it's a much more efficient way than trying to create relationships with every library individually. It, it makes more sense. Um, to do it through an organization that is trying to kind of coordinate all of the folks together. Okay, so I guess what we have to try to do is convince some of the American resources to join the ABC well, well, I think, uh, process. Well, I'm not <laughs> sure where that conversation is at, yeah. to be honest. So I'd have to mm -hmm. do some looking into that to know if what is the reason they're not participating? Is it that they're choosing not to, or they just haven't yet done it. Because um, mm -hmm. I know there is a bit of a, it, there's a process to join ABC for sure. I just, I, I don't know if I, if I missed it earlier, but what is the contingent of staff that you have at NELS? How many people sort of work under that banner? It's a great question. Um, well, I'm going to answer that two ways. We have what we call our um, core staff, and then we have our um, staff that we're able to bring on board um, because of our um, federal funding. Uh, so um, at our peak, at our federal funding, we had a total of almost 30 staff, but without, um, I mean, that's part-time and full-time combined, so it's not actually 30 full-time staff, but 30 different individuals participating in a variety of different projects. Um, right now, um, I think we're at just under um, 20 uh, total. And, um, but uh, yeah, as we look to fund, um, certainly our, uh, the team of accessibility testers, for instance, that's a group of 10 people that, um, um, uh, I think it's 10, including Daniela, that, mm -hmm. uh, that are key to our operations. But our core staff is, um, It's like about four people. So it's a, yeah. So we vary greatly depending on our funding sources. And you're in, you don't have an actual office or you do like, are you, I mean, nowadays we're all working. Yeah. So from... Nels, I mean, I, I, maybe folks know this or not. Nels is a national service. Um, we're a service, but the, um, the, the provider or a kind of umbrella organization is, is the BC Libraries Cooperative, um, which is um, here in BC, um, uh, which primarily services BC libraries, but NELS is a service, is a national wide service. So uh, the BC Libraries Cooperative does have 
an office in Vancouver, though most of the staff of the BC Libraries Cooperative um, work remotely or work from home and go into the office, you know, for meetings. Of course, with COVID-19, nobody's in the office now, but um, uh, so for the most part, we've got folks, um, for, for mostly for both the co-op and NELS, everybody works remotely and always has. That's not a COVID-19 thing. That's just the way we're structured. And we have folks from all across Canada, like on the testing team, we've got um, you know, Montreal, Toronto, uh, Winnipeg, Winnipeg uh, got a number of folks here in BC, um, and then other NELS staff, um, folks from Saskatchewan uh, and Alberta. Alberta. So, yeah, it, we do pull from across the country. Okay, I'm going to go to a total different angle here because this, I've tried to work with the, with the, with the website to, to even get books. And that sometimes is a difficulty because I find your system very choosing what, you know, when you're searching for an author and searching for what book you want to download and then figure out what kind of format you want it in. It's very confusing. Um, is there a way sometime maybe we can get some instructions, some clarifications, or is there plans to update the website? What what is moving forward with your website and how can we make it easier for us to use it as users? So that's a good question. Um, thank you for that. Uh, what I will say is we have over the last, um, this last round, um, over the last six months, we did have a, uh, um, an accessibility uh, and I think there was some usability review of the NELS website and we have uh, made some pretty um, a number of changes. Those changes, it is my understanding, though Daniela, you might correct me. I do not believe those changes have made it uh, to our production server. Yet. That is correct. Yeah. yeah. So I do think there are some changes coming. Um, I don't know that they will solve all of your usability issues. They certainly solve a number of outstanding accessibility issues that we were um, not up to snuff on. Um, uh, so I think it might depend on the nature of the difficulty that you're having. Um, so, yeah, I'm trying to th think how best to answer that. I mean, there's there's a specific question answer of how do you specifically get help, and by all means, you can um, email support at nels.ca and to have somebody kind of walk you through the features of it. But there's that broader question of if there are usability issues, you know, what are our plans overall to kind of improve that that searching experience? And um, that's part that would be a part of a larger overhaul of the site, um, which does depend, um, yeah, on funding. So I think uh, the the accessibility improvements um, those will be pushed out um, over the summer. So at least that's my belief is of the timeline of it. I really want to thank you, Daniela and Laurie, for coming on and uh, giving us this update. I try, hope and trust that it was valuable information, that we have got some questions, so we must have answered them all. So we thank you all very much, and yeah, thank, thank you for, you. for being here well, as well. Thanks for having us. Um, yeah, we really appreciate it. And support and at nels.ca can, uh, can garner an answer to anything people ask, right? <laughs> Anything at all. No, yeah, I better be careful. Yeah. <laughs> and and now.ca is the website, right? And everything is there, including the COVID and all of that stuff, right? Yes. There are links to the okay. COVID accessible yeah. information page. Um and yeah. then the other site that I mentioned was accessiblepublishing.ca, which has a lot of our accessible publishing resources. And the app okay, reports, awesome. the old ones. We are gonna be publishing new ones uh, shortly. Okay. Thanks for having us. Thank you for listening to the GTT podcast from the Canadian Council of the Blind. There are many ways to get in touch with us. You can call us toll-free at 1-877-304-0968. You can follow our GTT blog at gttprogram.blog. If you'd like to subscribe to our email support list, you can send a blank email to GTT support plus sign subscribe at groups.io. And you can follow the Canadian Council of the Blind on the web at ccbnational.org.